0: Hello y'all, welcome to ArtShipStory, where we discuss all things art history. This is episode one, redo. I'm Sarah, I'm your host today, and we're going to dive into Perkins-Harnley again. The reason why I'm redoing episode one is because the first episode was horrible, and the editing was horrible. So if you'd like to listen again, please continue listening, otherwise you can just skip to the newest episode. So let's go dive in. Perkins Harnley was born in Oogalala, Nebraska in 1901. His parents were Frank Harnley and Julie Josephine. According to Perkins, his mom had this crazy obsession with devil's dung and she just hung it everywhere. Doorways and windows even wore it around her neck. If you don't know what devil's dung is, it's used to repel evil and it's for protection and it's literally made out of dung. So just like the name implies. I'm pretty sure anyone smelling that is not going to be anywhere near that. But according to Perkins, his mom hung it everywhere. Perkins and his siblings lived in an abandoned cattle ranch, which they rented from the midwife that delivered Perkins. Perkins absolutely hated this farm. He stated he hated the animal dung, which I don't blame him, especially if his mom had an obsession with animal or devil's dung. Probably smells really bad. And he also disliked milking the cows. He stated that he would milk one or two cows while other people on the farm would milk up to six cows. His parents soon divorced. His mother filed for divorce and stated that Frank had a violent temper, which is true. It's in local newspapers. A lot of the townspeople knew that Frank was just not this good guy. When his parents separated, though, the scarlet fever broke out and his siblings, Benjamin and Lucille, succumbed to it. Benjamin passed away in February of 1916 and Lucille of March in 1916. Later that same year, his father, Frank, contracted the disease and he later died on May 1st. After this, Perkins lived with his grandparents and never really talked to his mom or remaining siblings. He did run into his mom and his sister one time later in life, but it was a very small interaction and he kind of brushed them off. talk about his grandparents though. His grandparents were Benjamin and Mary. His grandpa built queen and houses and his grandma was a caretaker at the local cemetery. They both influenced Perkins' art as he grew up. His grandpa that built the Queen Anne style houses, if you don't know what Queen Anne style houses are, they're just a mix of styles. They always have steep roofs, decorative wood trim, and kind of like a tower. I always think of the House of Meet the Falkers or Hocus Pocus, and honestly, any movie of the 90s or early 2000s that's based in LA, they have a Queen Anne style house And these houses really pushed Perkins into the style that you'll later see in his life. And he absolutely loved to hang out with his grandma in the cemetery where he would get a lot of his inspiration from. Perkins left for Hollywood in November 1922. This is also when a lot of scandal was happening in California, but we're not going to get into that because there's just so much. There's a picture of Perkins and he was super handsome. He's kind of like your typical pretty boy standard, but I don't think he's a pretty boy in today's sense. But he had flawless skin and he was was super handsome. Perkins wasn't around a lot of famous people in inner circles while he was in Hollywood, but he really didn't start to do art until the 1930s. Um, There was really only one piece of artwork that he did and that was in 1929, but really all of his stuff didn't come until the late 1930s. Perkins moved to New York and around This time, the New York drag scene was huge, and Perkins took part in the drag scene. He drew drag ensembles, which would be honestly really cool to see, but I couldn't find them, unfortunately, and I searched everywhere, and I just couldn't find anything. It's unclear if he made the drawings and wore them or he just kind of jumped them up and kept them in drawings. No one really knows, but I really would love to see these. This is around the time that Perkins really starts to dive into his work and in 1932 we see him move to Mexico. Now this is where he really gets into watercolors and he meets Frances Tour, and she holds a show of Perkins watercolors at her gallery in Mexico City. That same year Perkins would also have another gallery showing in New York. Back in New York in 1932... So around 1932, 1933, Perkins moves back to New York, and this is where he has his first gallery showing in the States. And it's also a joint show with Joseph Cornell. On display are the watercolors he did in Mexico, sometimes called the Santos watercolors or Mexico watercolors. I tried to search for these, like I said earlier, but I really couldn't find anything. Some of these watercolors, though, four to be exact, were reproduced for the front of American Weekly, which was a Sunday magazine. If you see these, they're really rare since a lot of them have been lost, but I'm pretty sure you probably could find them at thrift stores or half price books or something. Who knows? Um, the last that we see, the Santos watercolors, is in 1934 when 40 of the remaining ones were put on display at the Delphi Studios in New York. Now, Like I said earlier, a lot of these were sold or lost, so I can't really find any of these specific watercolors. Perkins then begin working. At the FPA or the Federal Art Project in 1935 and then later the Index of American Design in 1938. For some reason, he didn't sign his work, which sometimes I get it because I don't do that, but you're working for this index, so you would think that maybe he would have signed them, but who knows? I don't know what was going on with his head. So a lot of the works we probably have seen, are Perkins, but we don't know for sure considering he never really signed any of his work during this time. Now the Metropolitan Museum of Art, or the Met as we often hear it, has two Perkins FPA works, but they're unfortunately in storage and I don't think they will be expected to be out anytime soon. But it's super cool that they do have some of his FPA works. The Met did display the index of American design work that included Perkins watercolors, and this was in the June, this was in June of 1941 and October 1942. I'll get into this a little bit later, but following in October of 1942, the Met displayed 22 of Perkins Victorian interiors under, I remember that, This exhibition is how Perkins was basically recruited to work at MGM where he worked on the picture of drawing Gray. It's really unclear why he left MGM. No one knows if he was fired or just burnt out, but according to him, he worked these crazy long hours and honestly, that just sounds like he was burnt out. From the information that we got why he worked at MGM, he would constantly be drawing the set pieces over and over again each time the set would change he would do a watercolor and it's kind of like I guess it would be more like movie stills that movie stills how you would just like take a picture and then you kind of move the display or add different things to it to see what you like the best this is basically what Perkins did before all that technology so I get why he probably left because That just sounds like an insane amount of work. After this, around 1946, he was commissioned by Albert Lewin for 33 watercolors. Now, this is where I bring back the index of American design work that he did, because Albert Lewin in 1947 gave them to the National Art Gallery. So I did some typing in Google, and I was able to find all of these pieces. Well, almost all of them. Honestly, his work is so incredibly beautiful watercolor, which is just really hard to work with in general, the colors are so bright, vibrant, and everything is super crisp. I honestly, I honestly don't understand why he didn't achieve a much higher fame when he was alive. One piece that caught my eye was called Theater Box, 1892, which he completed in 1947. It's extremely beautiful. While it does have flatness to it, you can just see all the details he put in this piece. He had a love for theater and because he had a love for theater, you can see all the minor details that maybe somebody that just goes into theater occasionally just wouldn't look past, but he knew to pay close attention to that. And you can see all of it, the elegance and the trim, the the attention to detail and the curtains, just honestly, everything about this piece is just gorgeous. And because he had this love for the theater, I think it worked in Perkins' favor when he creates these interior pieces because he knows what to focus on and he knows how to capture your eye. My favorite piece though has nothing to do with interior. It's called the flying butts. (laughs) It's so funny and it's so weird. I have this weird obsession with cows and this piece has cows and has flying butts. Everything that I ever hoped for is in this piece. There's literally butts wearing what looks like sequin or diamond bot- bottoms with a flame coming out of it on the top, and there's cows on display. And if anybody has this piece, it would be amazing to put on display, but you can't find this this piece anywhere. I looked on Google and nothing flies, nothing flies, nothing pops up when I type in this piece. So this piece is actually in the book where I got most of my research from, which I'll uh, talk about at the end of this podcast. Now, towards the end of his life, Perkins began to get more fame than he did when he was a younger boy. In 1981, he went to the silent movie theater in Hollywood to see Salome, which he saw the opening show in 1923. This is where he meets Rocky Schneck and later Bill Paxton. Yes, Bill Paxton, the movie star, the one uh, that in Titanic that's the first thing that ever pops in my head even though he's not really a main character in that movie he's just kind of like a side character but yes Bill Paxton and Tom Huckabee Perkins would call these young guys the kids for some reason Perkins was madly in love with Bill Paxton and he even created a painting for Bill but Bill was like nah this is creepy and he unfortunately gave it away and no one has seen this painting surface since so I guess we won't know how creepy it is. If it does surface, I really want to see, see what this would look like. Now, the kids took care of Perkins when he was ill and he ended up living with Tom Huckabee. Perkins showered the kids with gifts and even transferred ownership of some of his works to Bill Paxton. Unfortunately, they couldn't take care of Perkins when he became more ill and he lived the rest of his life in a nursing home. Perkins died on August 10th, 1986. He was cremated and his urn is in the Tom Huckabee Sculpture Garden in Fort Worth, Texas. So it'd be kind of cool to go see that since I'm in Texas. So maybe I'll head head over there and see the Sculpture Garden. Perkins was this really cool queer artist that was just chilling with a lot of these socialite peeps and doing art. During my research on Perkins, it it has been known that Perkins would often fabricate the truth and or tell some lies. So I can't imagine what having a conversation would be like with him. But it'd probably be super fun if you ask me. I really wish there was more on Perkins' life, but unfortunately it's hard to find anything on him. And I'm sure a lot of the stories that he told, a lot of his friends, you know, that are getting passed down between, um, generations. We don't know if those are true or not considering he did tell lies, but it would be kind of cool if anybody has any more cool stories um, about him. If you haven't seen Perkins' work, I highly suggest you do so. It is beautiful and his works are to be cherished and it's just a little piece of art history and we just all need, we all need that in life. Joining me on this art history adventure and joining me again on episode one redone with better everything. (laughs) Make sure to go review me on Apple Podcasts. I do have a Patreon page if you'd like to see behind the scenes content. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram. My resources are The Empathetically Queer Career of Artist Perkins Harnley and His Bohemian Friends by Sarah Burns and Tom Huckabee's website. A special thanks goes out to my brother for creating the theme song. So I'll see you next week with another episode of Art Sipstery. Bye!